morning. All of you who made it here in the house, so glad to see your faces. And I want to say hello to everybody who's joining us online. So glad you are with us as well, wherever you may be. And I, you know, I pray that, that this so far has been just a place of God's refuge and comfort for you and that we are all experiencing his presence and, and his peace today. So uh, let's get to it today. If, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and grab those, get them out and open them up to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today. Uh, and if you're new or visiting, we've been navigating through the Bible uh, from Genesis to Revelation this year. Uh, and we're kind of doing this in sections. And right now uh, we are in the fourth section uh, of God's story uh, from beginning to end. And we're calling this the mission of the church uh, is where we are. And so we've been looking uh, in the book of Acts over the last several weeks, just looking at what the first church did and, and how they got together and what the things that they decided were. And, and so we were learning a lot about us as a church. And uh, last week we talked about worship uh, and how important that is and that the fact is that we all have a role as a church in worship uh, as we do that not only individually but also uh, corporately. And we did that last week. And also, by the way, uh, we baptized 30 people last week. So I want to praise God again for that. that was awesome service you did if you missed it. It's an amazing thing. Uh, and, then, and then we followed that up with, with a night of worship uh, last Sunday night, and it was just in an amazing time. Uh, we, we had an extended time of worship, and we heard some testimonies that I think is so important to hear from others of what God's doing in their lives. We had to hear from people and what God was doing, and then we, were, we just had a big theme of giving God our yes. And, and so it was just it was an awesome night, and I always want to put this in front of you. Uh, we only do night of worship a few times a year, and when we do it, it's just a can't-miss thing. And so I just want to, again, next time we do it, don't miss it because uh, you really do miss out on it. It's different. It's unique. Uh, we always have something that we're going after that we feel like God wants us to be talking about and doing way different than what we do on Sunday morning. So make sure you don't miss the next one uh, that we do when we have it, okay? Uh, but anyway, so over the, the last several weeks, uh, what we've been doing in the book of Acts especially is we've been looking at these big beliefs of the church. And one of them came a few weeks ago uh, when the first church was, was really trying to figure out what salvation is. And this was such a turning point for them uh, because what happened, if you remember, is a big argument came up on whether or not you had to be Jewish in order to be a Christian. Uh, and they landed on the answer of no. No, that, that you don't have to be practicing Judaism. That was not at the core of salvation. What was at the core of it is that salvation comes uh, through faith alone in Jesus alone. And so what happened is they took that core belief and they launched out into the regions and the gospel started spreading everywhere around and, and churches started planting all over the place. They started popping up all over the region. And so now where we are, as we open up into the book of Romans, where we are in God's story and in the New Testament is this, is that basically from the book of Romans on, where we're gonna be over the next several weeks, all the way up until Revelation, we're going to be in a series of letters that are written to these churches for the most part. There are a few uh, scattered ones in there that are written to individuals, uh, but for the most part, uh, these are written to the churches, and it takes place over the span of about 100 years. I don't know if you know that, but about 40 to 50 AD, all the way to about 150 AD is all these letters that comprise the New Testament. And within that, uh, we really have three main authors, okay? We have uh, Peter, we have Paul, and we have John. Uh, and we also have a couple of little scatters. I like have James and Aaron Jude and, and the writer of Hebrews. Uh, you know, but the bulk of these letters are written to the churches. And here's what their focus is, if you read them. They are focused on teaching 
and correcting and helping and encouraging believers to understand what the Christian faith looks like, how to live out the Christian faith. So here's what we're going to be doing and what they're doing. So basically they're going from we know what salvation is, we already covered that, to now this is what salvation does. And that's what we're going to be looking at. So we know what to believe, and now we're going to talk about how to live out that belief, live out that belief in Jesus. So, so what we're going to be doing uh, is, is looking in on these letters and looking in on these characteristics of the Christian faith and what the Christian faith looks like. And so for us, here's what I want us to be doing. Uh, I want us to be looking at these and being encouraged, first of all, as followers of Jesus, because uh, this is what this is going to be addressing, people who have already stepped into salvation. So I want these things to encourage us over the next several weeks. But at the same time, I want us to be challenged. I want us to be challenged by some of these characteristics of the Christian faith as we look in on our own faith journey with God. Uh, so if you're taking notes, go ahead and get those out there. I want to give us the first characteristic that we're looking at. And this is the big, I'm telling you, this is the biggest factor in Christians who are experiencing more of God's presence, more of God's peace, his peace and provision. And it's this, it's that as a follower of Jesus, this is the first characteristic Christians should have, is that I will cooperate with God's change process in my life. That, that I, as I have stepped into salvation, I believe in Jesus, that, I, that now I'm going to be, because I'm so changed by this, I, I want to cooperate with God in the change that he wants to bring into my life. So, so here's what we're going to do uh, with that as you writing that down. We're going to look in Romans 12, uh, in the first couple verses, that's all we're going to be in this morning. And what I want to do uh, is let that explain how I got to there. And, and then I'm going to look at a few things uh, that get in the way of us being able to, to change the way that we know should. Why change is hard. And then we're going to go back into here, into Romans 12, and get exactly out of Romans 12 what we want to do. So, so let's pick this up. Romans 12, we're just going to read the first two verses, and then we'll talk. So here it is. Here's Romans 12. So here's what Paul says. He goes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so right here in these two verses, this is our charge with the first characteristics that we see. And it's this. It's that as we step into salvation, here it is, everybody, that a transformation should happen. That as, as we've entered into that uh, with Jesus, transformation should happen in the life of a believer. That, that change is a mark of salvation because when you're truly saved, here it is, everybody. When you're truly saved, you're just not going to stay the same. Amen, everybody? You're just not going to stay the same. Uh, and, and so the thing uh, with that, with me just saying that, here's what gets in the way, though. Here's what goes through the minds of so many of what I just said, that as we, as we enter into salvation, change will happen as we come into God. And, and here it is. This is what so many are thinking right now. Why then is change so hard, right? It's like, I know that I should be more like Jesus right there, but then why is it so difficult for me to change like that? Or, or you know, like, I completely agree with what God is saying right there, but I can't seem to overcome it. I can't seem to find victory in it. So, so why then? Is change not easy? Why is it so hard? And so let me give you three reasons. I want to give you three reasons, three traps that, that Christians, again, this is addressing Christians now, just followers of Jesus, three traps that get in the way and keep us from implementing the change that God wants. Here's the first one if you're writing these down. The first one is familiarity. Familiarity. So, so the first trap is this, is that some of the things that you know need to change are hard 
simply because of this. It's because you've just been doing that thing for so long in your life. That you've been doing that for so, so long. So, so some of the habits, all right, some of the faults that exist, those didn't happen overnight. They didn't happen overnight. So, so even though I know it's not good, even though I know that's not the end game that I want with my life with God, and even though it doesn't feel good anymore, any of that stuff, and I don't even like it, it's what I'm familiar with, and it's just a trap. It's hard to change because we're familiar with it. That's the first trap that we could fall into. Here's the, here's the second one, and it says it's a crisis of identity. I think this one right here is, is a bigger trap for new Christians. Because what we know, and I'll talk about this here in a minute, is that, that when we come into a relationship with Jesus, the first thing that happens immediately is your identity changes. It changes. That's what, that's what God says about it. It's an amazing thing. But, but it's hard to change uh, everything because sometimes we, we have a hard time knowing what our new identity is. Uh, and sometimes even though we do know what it is, there's still an identity crisis because we tend to believe, what we'll do is we'll believe some things that are not true of us. And we'll keep living those out. We will live out lies about us and the identity that we have in Christ. And, and so if you've ever heard this, uh, this is an, if you ever heard, well, that's just who I am, I guess. Like that's an indicator of this trap hindering God's change in you. If you say that, that's, that's, a, that's an indicator. And, and I'm telling you right now, this, this right here, this, this crisis of identity, is, it is um, a reality that so many Christians are experiencing. It's a reality that so many uh, accept, unfortunately. It's like, and, and what happens, this is really weird, the behaviors and the decisions and, the, and the, the decisions we make, like it's almost like we almost give ourselves this weird green light of doing them and making these decisions. And, and, and the thing is, we know God wants something different. We know God wants to change. So some, and some of us right now are, are living uh, that as believers in Jesus. And it's just, it's why it's so hard to change. There's an identity crisis that we go up against. And here's the third one, if you're writing these down, is that, that we, there's deceit and discouragement coming from Satan. The deceit and discouragement comes from Satan. Now, listen, I know if you've been coming here a little bit, hopefully we've talked enough about Satan so that this isn't like, what, who's that guy, right? Like, hopefully we've talked enough that you know uh, that, 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 this is, that his schemes are real, that, that, that he does these things and, and that, that he exists. And I, but here, I'm just gonna keep saying this. I still do believe uh, that one of the biggest missteps for Christians is to downplay the active role that he has in our lives and the fact that he wants to make our lives with Jesus as miserable as he can get, that he wants to put as much distance between you and your heavenly father as he possibly can he is real and he is trying to do this all the time he is always actively trying to do it it happens all the time it happens all the time and, and he's so just indirect sometimes like you don't even realize what's happening so for instance like like you come here you come here you hear a message you hear what god is saying in your life and you think man that is something that i want uh, God to change that is encouraged and you get encouraged to put that into your life or your marriage or how you're parenting and all that stuff and then you walk away and then what Satan does is he he'll bring distractions he'll bring discouragements and then then all of a sudden you'll get this weird message of like you can't do that like who, who do you think you are like you're not gonna change and so this is what happened and I'm telling you right now you can read it for yourself yourself Jesus says we have an enemy he is Satan, and he is a liar, and he is the father of lies, and all he wants for you is to be miserable. And so, so those are, among other things, those are, I think, the top three traps that we fall into as Christians when we want to see change, and it's not really happening at the rate we know should be happening, and that are working 
against us. But you know what else Jesus says? Here's what Jesus says in light of this. I want to get rid of the bad things so we start being encouraged to talk about the good things. Because here's what Jesus says. He says that you have the truth and the truth can set us free. Come on, somebody. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So we can allow God to bring in the lasting change that we want because the good news is, here's the good news for the rest of today. We don't have to listen to what the enemy says. We don't have to let our faults and fear of change define who we are. We have the power to change. And we have the power to change because of the power of the Holy Spirit who is in us. So what do you say? Let's let him work a little bit, get some change going on in our lives. Anybody, everybody ready for that? Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's clap for that. Let's get some change going on. Yeah. So let's find the change that God wants for us and has for us because we know that's better. We know that's better. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to Romans 12. Okay, we're going to read, uh, or we're going to look at it. I'm going to leave this up for us. We're going to pop it up there. And, and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look in here and I already highlighted four big things in here that give us what we need. And we're just going to leave that up and I have them highlighted. So the first uh, breadcrumb for lasting change that God wants for us is this word, therefore. Therefore. And so what this is pointing to is, because this is Romans 12, it is pointing to the last 11 chapters of the book of Romans. So let me recap Romans 1 to 11 really quick. So here's what Paul does in the first 11 chapters. He basically lays out the case against us and the case for Christ, that there is only one true God, that, and, then, and that he is God, and he's the only God who gave us a gift in Jesus, who, who is God in the flesh, who came down here. And so instead of us, this is a huge difference between us and any other religion in the world. See, instead of us sacrificing and earning our way to climb closer and closer to God, see, instead of us working our way up to him, God lowered himself down to us in the form of Jesus. And he sacrificed himself to make a way for us, to make a way for forgiveness and grace to come in and make us okay, to make us right with our heavenly father. And so Paul lays that out and he says, so therefore, if you've come to know Jesus, that he is who saved you, then your life will be a life of worship and sacrifice to him because of what he's done for you. So that, that's basically the recap. That went way faster than you thought it would, right? Like, I don't know what Paul was trying to do. It took him 11 chapters. That's it in two seconds. But anyways, I'm not going up against him. Anyway, so anyways, and by the way, by the way, here's one thing Blair and I were talking about this this week. When you start to read the New Testament, you're going to come across this time after time, letter after letter, when they're writing these churches. And here's what you're going to come, or you just, just take me up on this, because here's what you'll notice. You'll notice when you read all these letters of the New Testament that over and over again, what is reinforced and, and what is repeated before the characteristics... That was repeated before the corrections are given, before the behaviors and activities that we see in the Christian life. That there is always a reminder of what salvation is over and over again, time and time again. Because he, they're saying, don't forget what it is. Because if you forget that it's faith alone and Jesus alone, then you're going to miss the Christian life altogether. You're just going to be doing these things. And then what you end up turning is religious. And that is not what this is about. That's not the same, okay? Because I'm telling you, Jesus is different. Jesus is different than anything else the world offers and anything else that religion will offer us and tell us about ourselves. Because just for instance, I want to tell you this. Here's what religion says. Religion says work for it. And Jesus said, it's already paid. Already paid, already did it for you. That's totally different. And the world, here's what the world's message is to us. See if I'm wrong. Here's the world's message. Hey, there's nothing wrong with you. Everything, hey, baby, you were born this way. Everything, everything's okay. You don't need fix. You don't need, just follow your feelings. Everything is fine. But see, Jesus comes in and his message is completely different. 
that he said, yeah, yeah, you were born this way. In fact, we were all born the same exact way. All of us are born the same way, but through Jesus, see, you'll be born again in another way, and then your identity will change through Jesus. See, that's his message, and, and so then your identity changes when you come to understand who God is and what Jesus has done. And so here's what happens. See, our real identity isn't found when we look inside ourselves. Our real identity is actually found outside of ourselves and seeing who we are in God's image, who we are, uh, that we belong to Christ, and that is our true identity. That's totally different, everybody. Do you see the difference? So listen, it's just different thinking, what, what we're looking at and what we're talking about. It's just different thinking to believe that we need help due to just being a human being. That's not the world's message. But we do. And it's really different to believe that ultimate joy and satisfaction doesn't come from living out of our feelings and pursuits of happiness, but it actually comes from pursuing God and his will for our lives. Totally different, totally different. And so therefore, he says, by the mercies of God, that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, I don't have this highlighted, but I, I just found that sentence weird. That he says, offer my body as a living sacrifice. My first thought was, what, why my body? Why not my soul? Like, why not my spirit? I don't know. It just made me very curious. And here's why. Here's why. See, if God has your body, then he has all of you. He has all of you. So think about it this way. Think about it this way. You've all gone through this. Think about, you ever had like a thing you're doing and somebody will text you uh, or call you and say, hey man, I can't make it, but I'll be with you in spirit. I'll be with you in spirit, right? Sounds great. But are they actually there? No, they're totally ghosting you. And they have something way better than what you're doing to be at. And you know how I know that? Because I've done that before. You know what I'm saying? Like, not your thing, but like somebody else's thing. I'm just saying, done that before, I ain't with you. All right, I'm not with you in spirit. I'm somewhere else having a better time. Okay, that's what is going on. But when we, when, here's what we're saying. When, we, when we're there, when we're there physically, we're there. We can't be anywhere else. And so when, you, when we give your body, you give yourself totally. And so this is the commitment that Paul is saying, hey, that, that you go as a living sacrifice with your bodies, you commit. And, and here is what is really great about this, why I want to leave this up here, because these are all breadcrumbs to what we're talking about with, with cooperating with God and his change process in our lives. Because honestly, some of us are like, I get that, okay? Like, like you know, okay, therefore offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. But some of us are like, well, I don't, how? Like, what do you, I get what it's saying, but I don't know what that means. And here's what's great. Paul actually answers that for us right here, and it's actually practical, and it's easy to understand. And so he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. How? He goes, here's the first thing. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. That that's the first thing. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world. And so what he's saying, again, he's talking to believers. And so this is really important when he's saying don't do this. So, so what he's saying is that it is possible to be a Christian but have an outward expression that does not reflect what's really on the inside. Because the world, you're conforming to the world. The outside world fights the change that God wants to have in you. The fights, the change that comes in a relationship that we have with Jesus. And so what he's saying, so as a changed creation in Christ, you know what doesn't reflect your new life. And so we have to fight that. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. So that's pretty easy to follow. We know what the world's saying. We say, okay, that's the first thing. But then again, it's like, so how do I do that? How do I not conform? And here's the second thing. And he says, okay, don't conform. And then he says, be transformed. Be transformed. So in order for this change to be going on, that we don't conform, uh, but we be transformed. And so to be transformed, I hope you see the grammar in that, that actually means that that's a passive thing. 
right? To be transformed means I'm not the one that is transforming myself. And so you're not the one doing the transformation in your life. This is a supernatural deal. This is like a God deal. You need God. You cannot produce this change on your own. And so check this out. Because uh, you can't produce this on your own, then change doesn't come from your willpower. It doesn't even come from just showing up here. This is a good, good step. But I'm just saying like this isn't what happens. See, it, here's where it comes from. It comes from embracing the truth of God, like knowing that in your life and applying that truth. And then here's what happens. Something will happen. And it's the last part is that God will change your mind. He will renew your mind. That's how the transformation happens. Again, this isn't what you do. This is what God actually does. And so, so here it is. This is so encouraging today. I was so looking forward to this message because it's so encouraging. Here it is. For every single one of you who have walked into salvation, okay, God wants to change you. And he, he really wants that for you. But here's what we have to do. You have to change the way you think. He wants to change you, but you have to change the way you think. Um, I, come, I came across a statement that I thought was really powerful. That our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. That our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And I want to tell you something about my life with God. See, when I see a lot of things, a lot of the changes, the lasting changes that God has actually done in my life, here's what I found. It's very consistent, okay? The lasting change that happens in my life does not come from me changing what I do. It actually comes from me allowing God to change the way I think. That, that's huge to understand. It doesn't come from me because when I just try to change what I do, it ends, I, I don't change actually. I'll go back to that thing I do. But when I allow God to transform the way I think, that's where lasting change can happen. And that's what Paul is saying right here. And so, so here's the deal. This is, this is awesome. This is, this is who your God is. Every day of your life, every single day you wake up, God wants to bring change and renewal to you. He wants to change your thinking. He wants to bring gospel living to your life. And here's the challenge every day, and it's this. Will I work with him and allow that to happen? Or will I resist him and conform to the world today? That's a question we all face every day. It's easy, I'm telling you, that we wake up with that question every day. Am I going to assist God and allow the time or I'm going to resist him and conform to the world? And so, so right here today, this is the simple message that I want to leave, the very first characteristic of the Christian life. This is how a person starts to respond to God, that, that where we go from doctrine to actually application, from salvation to change, that, that with God's mercy, that we apply our faith in this life, that, that we don't just stay being saved that we don't just stay there. Instead, as people who are, who are just radically and unbelievably grateful for being rescued by Jesus. We move forward with God. We move forward with this change process in our lives. Anybody say amen to that? Yeah, that's what we want in our lives. So this is where I want to land. I want to land, uh, and I'm going to give us one question to ask with this message of just we need to assist God in the change. One question, and then I'm just going to give you a few things to think about, a few things to focus on. So, so here's the question uh, that I want to ask, and then we'll look at set, steps to take. And this is what you ask yourself. What am I feeding my mind? What am I feeding my mind? What is getting through the filters of your mind? And here's the bigger question. How is that affecting your ability to not conform to the world, but be transformed by God renewing your mind. And here's what I'm gonna tell you. I know you know this. I'm just gonna say it, and it's just so I know I say it. Our culture is an absolute train wreck, terrible place to get your guidance in life. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is not the right place to look at. And if you're, and I'm telling you, if you are not counterbalancing that with God's word every day in your life, here's my fear. My fear is more is getting past your filter than you think. I'm just telling you. 
I'm just telling you. Yeah, and this is, this is so obvious, and I, and I hope you know this. Most people in the world, and especially in the entertainment business, and even in the news business, by the way, so don't come with that junk, okay? They are not following God's will. They're following clicks and likes and ratings. You hear what I'm saying? And so we don't listen to them as much as we give weight to our Heavenly Father and the truth is, come on, somebody. And so that's what we do. I came across a quote a few years ago, and it hit me. And I think this is absolutely true. This is what they said. America has lost its ability to blush. Think about that. America has lost its ability to blush. So what's your tolerance? Where are you getting your prompts? Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, don't go watch anything past PG. Like, I'm not saying that. Like, come on now. Um, but man, I'm just saying, are, are you seeing more coming in from God's perspective than coming in from the world's perspective? Easy thing to look at, right? Right? Easy thing to look at. Because I think God's like, man, just bring more in from me. And I'm telling you, you will find the renewal that's coming for me. The more you fill your mind with God's word, the more you're going to be transformed into who God wants you to be, which is more and more like Christ and more and more what you want, right? So that's what we do. So, so let's, with that question, I'm going to look and end with just a few things that we ask. Here's the first one that we're going to have three focuses. First thing is I'm going to focus on what I want and not what I don't want. I'm going to focus on what I want and not what I don't want. And so um, I'll say it again. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. So whatever has your attention has you. So, so here's what I'm saying. If you focus on the bad, right? If you focus on the past or what was or, or who you were, then it will keep dominating your life. Try me out and see what happens. I'm telling you. But if you focus on what God wants for you, who he is in your life and the thing he wants to bring, then you will move in that direction. For, for instance, for instance, like if you're gonna, if you just sit there, think about it. If you just sit there and be like, I'm not gonna think about porn. I'm not gonna think about porn. I'm not gonna think about porn. What are you thinking about? Porn, you know what I'm saying? Like that is not what we do. That's not resisting. You resist when you refocus. And here's how we refocus. This is from Philippians 4. He says, okay, so here's what we do. That whatever's true, come on, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so here's what I want to say. So, so what would happen if you could just think about and claim these truths, claim these things that are true when the traps and the negative messages come? How much would that change your life? I'm just telling you. So, so like when you hear things like you can't change, like, that's not who you are. You could come in and go, no, no, no. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says I'm a new creation. So if I'm a new creation, then, then I'm new. I'm not who I was. I am now redeemed in Christ, and so now I can live for Jesus today. Or when you feel tempted, you can come and say, no, 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 I'm not going to let that take me down that route. Ephesians 2.10 says that I am God's workmanship. I'm created for good work. So I'm going to do a good work for Jesus today. Come on, somebody. Or when things look hard, and they're like, I don't know about that, you could go to Galatians 2.20, and you can say, man, it's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So the power that I need doesn't come from me. It comes from him who lives in me. What would that do? how much of a difference would those things make? I'm just saying. That's the first thing we do. Focus on what I want, not what I don't want. Claim the truths of God and see what he can do. Here's the second one. Second one is I'm gonna focus on people who help me, not hinder me. People who help me, not hinder me. I don't wanna belabor this. I feel like we talk about this all the time. You need people, right? You need people working in your life, okay? You can't avoid it. I've tried it. You just can't do it, okay? I've tried it every time. Uh, it doesn't work without a group of people speaking into your life, a community of people uh, who are speaking into your life and your marriage and, and your family who love Jesus and, and want you to be more like Jesus too. So if you're not a community, get in, get in, find out, because here's what, here's what can happen. This is from Proverbs 11. It says this, because where there is no guidance, man, we're going to fail. But in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. And so who do you got around your life who love Jesus and want the same 
for you. And I'll just give you a disclaimer about our groups are not perfect. Our, our circles uh, are not perfect. You know why? Because they're full of people like you and me. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so I'm just saying, you know, uh, but I, you know, that's why I love my group. Like, I love my group because we already know that about each other. So we can just move on and get moving. You know what I'm saying? So, man, if you're not community, get in community. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. And I'm going to focus on God's power and not willpower. I'm going to focus on God's power and not willpower. And so it's not about what I do or having a strong will. God has a better solution for me in that. Here's why he has a better solution than that. Here's, this is so encouraging because he knows what you're up against. He knows what is happening and he wants to give you real power to work with. This is the power that God gives you. This is out of 2 Corinthians. Here's what it says. It says so the weapons we fight with, they're not the weapons of the world. No, 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 they have, listen to this, divine power to do what? Demolish strongholds. Anybody need that today? We demolish arguments. We demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And listen to what it does. And so then we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Who needed to hear that today? Anybody need to hear that? Come on, man. Let's take captive some things and let God change our lives for the good. So listen, if you believe that it's your power and it's your determination that's gonna bring about change, here's what I'm gonna tell you. It's not gonna happen. You're eventually gonna give up. You're gonna give up. But if you believe that, Jesus, that through Jesus, it's God's power in you and that's what's available, that really does change the game. It really does change the game. And so, so this is the step. This is the step that we take in salvation, that we cooperate with God's uh, ability to change as we walk with him. And, and with, with change, any change that we wanna bring, just think about this. Uh, the first thing you gotta do is have a vision for what you wanna see, right? Just any change. And then you gotta make a plan, right? Make a plan, take steps, follow through, sacrifice, and see how many, no different than our spiritual lives. So here, I just wanna ask you this. When's the last time you sat down and said, God, what's the vision for my life five years from now? What do, what do I wanna see in my spiritual life next year? When's the last time you did that? Because I wanna tell you something. God has a vision for you. He sees where he wants you to be, and guess where that is? Closer and closer to his son. That he's gonna make you more like his son. That's his goal, more and more like Jesus. And I just feel the need, the urge to tell you as I am today, to fight. Fight for that faith. Fight for that change that God wants to bring. Because listen, if you're not fighting, then change isn't gonna happen and, and your faith's gonna be really bland and, and, then, and then it won't work. And, and all this really becomes, and it's the worst, it's just religious activity. And you're showing up. And if you're, I'm telling you right now, man, if you are showing up here all the time and no change is actually happening in your life, I honestly cannot think of anything more uninteresting to be a part of. If God's not really changing, what are you doing? If God's not really, he wants to change you. That's what salvation is all about when we come into it. He's like, I wanna change you. And so I just wanna invite you to do it. So I wanna be a church who does see that and walks into the change that God has for us and see who he is and what he does. So we fight, we fight to live like that, like Jesus matters. Yes, everybody, yes. All right, man, let me pray for us. Yeah, it's a good way to clap and end. Let's end, I'm out of time anyways, okay. God, I, I really was so excited to deliver this message today. I just, the world, we were just in such a negative spot in our culture, in our world, with everything going around. And, and man, I am telling you, I, I just got boosted up today. I got filled up with your encouragement to be changed and, and that, that lasting change can't come as a result of just saying yes to you and, and allowing you to work in my life. I pray that over every believer in this room today. That whatever it is, I, I think there's a challenge for all of us in these points or these places in Romans 12 where we can really look and say, man, what, what am I putting in my mind? Like, what's the vision you have for me, God? Where do I want to see some change happen? And how can I believe 
that you will change because you want to change us, God. Help us be encouraged. Help us be challenged today in our faith wherever we are because we do want to see you more and more working in our lives so we can come more and more like Jesus, your son. We love you and we thank you and we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, everybody, uh, I just hope this was an encouraging time for you. Don't forget uh, about our missions interest meeting. This is the first time we've done missions in a while. And Brian Miller is over there in the next steps room. Go drop a visit, say hello. He's, from, he coming in, he's live in person from Columbia. He's got coffee in there if you want some. Just go say hello, and we'll see you next Sunday.